Uh, today, we are in a series. Uh, the overall theme of the series is Disciple Making Disciples. Um, we said several weeks ago that before we can begin to make disciples, we first must become a disciple. And before we could, if we're not sure that we are a disciple, then chances are we're not a disciple. So as born again believers, it is one thing to become a believer in Christ. That, that really, once we get saved, that solidifies our standing with him. But it's not all he's called us to do. He's called us not to just be saved. He's called us to be disciples. And there is a difference in someone who is saved and someone who is a disciple. A disciple's life is something that is seen throughout those who come in contact with them. The word they know without a doubt that this is a follower of Jesus. We, today, we're going to look in chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. Chapter 10, verses 11 through 18 of the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. We have been looking at some I am statements uh, up to this point. I, I shared that we won't look at them in order, and there will be a message or two in between the I am statements. Um, that is for purpose and a reason that God has laid upon my heart. And you'll see that as we move forward. In 1972, a shepherd had brought his sheep into a walled-off enclosure for a night. He had just gone to sleep when he heard a commotion. He quickly rushed over to where the sound was coming from, and to his horror, he discovered that a wolf was in the process of dragging one of his sheep through a hole in the wall. He was mauling the sheep, and blood was flying. The shepherd quickly began hitting the wolf, and the wolf turned to him and began attacking the shepherd. He beat him over and over, and the shepherd was striking him with his staff until finally one final blow of the staff killed the wolf. As he himself collapsed, the shepherd in a bloody heap. This shepherd managed to crawl over to his half-dead sheep, and he began to bandage its wounds. He gave it some water, and he took it in his own bloody arms. And the shepherd and the sheep went to sleep together. The next morning, the shepherd was found dead. His body literally draped over the sheep to comfort it and to keep it warm. The following day, the headline in the Jerusalem paper read, Sheep Alive, Covered in the Shepherd's Blood. Such a commitment, such sacrifice we see offered up by this true shepherd for his sheep. The truth is, we have a shepherd. The good shepherd. The Bible also describes him as the great shepherd, the shepherd and guardian of our souls, the chief 
shepherd. That's who he's described as for us. One who was bloody and gave his life for you and I. Let's look in today's text as Jesus is speaking. He says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand, and I am reading from the New American Standard Bible. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters the flock. He flees because he is a hired hand and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it back. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it back. This commandment I received from my father. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for this day. Now, God, we pray that you would move and minister to each and every one of us. Speak as only you can to each one. God, hide me behind the cross. Give grace and give mercy. And God, may the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week, as we had continued on this course of becoming a disciple, we shared that true disciples of Jesus Christ respond to doors of opportunity closing to them with integrity. This takes recognizing that Jesus Christ who is who opens and closes doors. And whenever it seems the world is closing a door to us, it just may be that Jesus is protecting us. By the way, the truth is, the door that we should be most concerned with is the door that leads to salvation. The door that leads to eternal life. Jesus is that door. And he, as long as we focus on Jesus, we will not waver when doors of the world are closed to us. Because the door that matters most will be open to us. Jesus follows up that declaration with today's text by saying, I am the door. Or by saying, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is declaring that this in contrast to the religious leaders of Israel who were supposed to be shepherding the flock of God. Jesus is likening these men, these religious leaders, to hirelings or hired hands. At this time, hired shepherds were temporary help. They were help that was just passing through. If you know anything about 
about ranching, you would, you would hear that these are called day workers. These were hired hands that weren't going to stick around very long. They were hired to look after the sheep until the shepherd came back. Why? Uh, the hireling was not a true and a permanent shepherd. And the reason they were not a true and permanent shepherd was because their priority was not to fulfill a calling that had been placed in their life. Instead, he was his priority. His priority was, was that, that, that whatever made things better for him, that's all that really mattered. This was exemplified whenever danger would arise, whenever a wolf would raise his ugly head, the hired hand would be more interested in saving his own life than the life of the sheep that he was responsible for protecting. In, in the case of the religious leaders of that day, Jesus referenced to them as hirelings or hired hands suggested they were not interested in the welfare of the people they were responsible for. They, instead, they were more concerned with acceptance and recognition. They were more concerned with, with position and prestige. They were more concerned with authority and esteem. And as we continue in this series on becoming a disciple, uh, a look in today's text, we're able to find that, that the relationship between the good shepherd and his sheep show two things that I want us to focus on. And one of those is that true disciples honor the commitment of the good shepherd. The word commitment, it suggests a state of personal dedication to something or someone which results in activity, promoting, and working for the good and well-being. Again, let's say, let me say that one more time. The word commitment suggests a state of personal dedication to something or someone which results in actively promoting and working for their good and well-being. Jesus likens his commitment to the as a good shepherd to his sheep. The shepherd's commitment to his sheep is seen in his intimate knowledge of his sheep. He knows his sheep. The shepherd has spent enough time with the sheep that he knows his sheep personally. They can be distinguished without a brand being placed on them. His sheep are, are distinguished from other sheep by the way his sheep responds to him. Because of the shepherd's commitment to protect the sheep and to provide for the sheep, the sheep trust this shepherd. He knows that whenever he calls his sheep, they're going to come. He, he has spent so much time with talking with his sheep and calling his sheep and leading his sheep that they know they can trust his voice. They trust his love. They trust his care. They trust that he knows where to lead them and how to protect them. These are things that's done from the very moment these sheep become part of his flock. Guy Post posted a story some time ago about the famous tenor many of you have heard of, um, Luciano Pavarotti. That name Pavarotti is known throughout the world. He, he says this, he says, when I was a boy, my father, who was a baker, introduced me to the wonders of song. He urged me to work very hard to develop my voice. 
Arrigo Paulo, a professional tenor in his hometown of Medina, Italy, took him up as a pupil. He also enrolled into a teacher's college. And upon graduating, he asked his father, should he be a teacher or should he be a singer? His father's reply was this. If you try to sit on two chairs, you will fall between them. For life, you must choose one chair. I chose one, Pavarotti said. It took seven years of study and frustration before he made his first professional appearance. It took another seven years to reach the Metropolitan Opera. And now, he says, and now I think whether it's laying brick or writing a book, whatever you choose, give yourselves to it. Commitment is the key. Choose a chair. (laughs) Joshua said, choose you this day who you're going to serve. For as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Who are we going to serve? Ourselves? Man? Other gods? Or are we going to serve the one true God? You know, commitment is the key. And a true disciple recognizes and honors the commitment of the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He exemplifies commitment. And we honor that. He's more committed to us than we could ever be committed to ourselves. There is nothing about us that he doesn't know. He knows us Personally, He knows our name and not only our name here on earth, but he knows our name in heaven. Do you know you have a different name in heaven than what you have on earth? As a matter of fact, Revelation 2 and 17 says this, the one who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches, to the one who overcomes. I will give, give some of the hidden manna and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows except Except the one who receives it. I don't have to worry when I get to heaven that somebody else is going to stand when my name is called. Because I have a new name that no one else will have. But he also knows not only our name, he knows our joy. He knows our blessing. He knows our trials and he knows our sorrows. Folks, he he is so committed to us that Luke 12 and 7 says this, but even the hairs of your head are all counted. Do not fear. You are more valuable than a great number of sparrows. Just as a shepherd and his sheep, our Lord and Savior, our good shepherd keeps his mind on us. And by his spirit, He is always looking out for us. His commitment towards us is so real that he sent his spirit to dwell with us so that he could advocate for us at his father's right hand while our enemy makes accusations against us. And whenever life throws us for a loop, whenever life knocks us down, He's there with us. He never leaves us. 
He never forsakes us. I'm learning doctors can walk out on you. Family can walk out on you. The church can walk out on you. But God will never walk out on you. He's there to comfort us. He's there to shelter us. He's our refuge. He is our high power. True disciples honor such a commitment by committing their lives to walk in his steps. Committing their lives to being in his service. Committing their lives to follow the leadership of his spirit. Because whenever we honor the good shepherd, we honor God our Father. That's the first thing I want us to really get out of here, out of this passage. Is that true disciples honor the commitment of the good shepherd. But true disciples also honor the cost that's been paid by the good shepherd. You know, life is not always easy. Life is going to disturb us often. And the longer we live, the more life is going to disturb us. If you think you'll get out of this life unscathed, you better die today. Because if you keep living, it's going to get you. You're going to be broken because you're going to bury someone. Or you're going to be by a hospital with someone that you don't want to be there with. You'll go through something. You'll get disappointed. You'll lose a job. You'll lose friends. You'll see family walk out. You'll see children become rebellious. That's just life. And to think that you're in it all by yourself. It's not a time for pity parties. It's a time for people of God to become disciples and recognize that, you know, our life, no matter what life throws at us, is to honor the one who paid the ultimate cost. You know, the life of a shepherd is hard. His life is a life of sacrifice. He sacrifices being with his family. For he has to be with the sheep day and night. The shepherd is willing to lay down his life, whether he has family or not, for the sheep. Listen, there's not an animal. There's two dogs that roam around at our home. There's one at my daughter's home. I'm not laying down my life. And I'm not allowing my wife or her or my daughter to lay down their life for either one of them. Ain't going to do it. But a shepherd will lay down his life for sheep. I, I, you remember the story of uh, Israel's greatest king. You remember the story of David. We know him as King David, don't we? Most of us are familiar with that story. We remember how the prophet Samuel was sent by God to Jesse's house to anoint the next king of Israel because Saul had been disobedient. And Jesse lined his sons up and 
and none of these sons were who God wanted to anoint as king. And, and when, when Samuel asked Jesse, hey, do you have another son? He said, well, I, I do, but he, he, he's out in the field keeping the sheep. He didn't even want to tell him about this son. He was shorter than the rest, ruddier than the rest. He was, he, in his own father's eyes, he was seen as insignificant when it comes to positions of prestige. But this is the one that God wanted anointed. So Samuel anoints David to be the next king. Sometime later, three of David's brothers have followed Saul into battle against the Philistines. And David's father has gotten old and he sends David out to go check on the boys. And he does this by sending food, sending um, some things of nourishment, not only to them, but also to their commander. And as he sends, these, sends David with these supplies, he's wanting David to come back and give a report on how his boys are doing. David noticed while he's there, this Philistine giant by the name of Goliath, their champion. He was toning the Israelite army. No one was willing to fight this giant. And then David looked around and saw how much of a shame this was that he said, I'll fight him. His brothers were mad that he was even there. They knew David's heart. They knew David's mind. They knew David was impulsive. They knew David was fearless. They knew David was someone who would, who would say, I'll fight him. And they were afraid that he was going to die. Saul, the king, looked at David and his stature and he said, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight him. For you're only a youth while he has been a warrior since his youth. But David, his reply to the king was your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and took the sheep from the flock and I went after it and attacked it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I grabbed it by its mane, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has defied the armies of the living God. What does this have to do with being a disciple? Well, we see David was willing to give his life for the sheep. He was willing to pay an, an ultimate sacrifice for the sheep. And he was willing to pay an ultimate sacrifice for the army of Israel. David sacrificed, he sacrificed his life going after this lion and again going after the bear just for one sheep. And he's willing to save, he was willing to give his life to save, just to save one. One. To save one. We have an enemy who's out to kill, steal, and to destroy us. But because of the sacrifice of the good shepherd, we who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we've already won. 
if Jesus' sacrificial death doesn't impact the behavior of our lives, then we're not honoring his sacrifice. Well, somebody should have said amen. Because if you don't hear any more truth from me, you just heard truth. That if his sacrificial death does not impact the behavior of our lives, then we're not honoring his sacrifice. Jesus' sacrificial death is like no other death. He had the power of all heaven. He could have called 12 legions of angels to save him. He he himself had the power to prevent the religious leaders from arresting him. He himself had the power to prevent the false witnesses from giving a false testimony against him. He could have convinced Pilate that he was the savior of the world. He could have stopped the Roman soldiers from beating him and nailing him to a cross. He could at any time have come down from the cross just as the thief suggested that he did do. But Without saying a word, like a lamb to the slaughter, he laid down his life. Being the once and for all sacrifice for all mankind. He took upon himself our sins so that we could receive his righteousness. And by laying down his life, he was raised in victory. Thanks be to God, his victory is our victory. Peter 2, and through 24 says, He who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, and while being abusively insulted, he did not insult in return. While suffering, he did not threaten, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously and to himself. And, to, and he himself brought our sins in his body up on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, folks, we are healed. That's why his death is so different from any other death. That's why disciples honor his sacrifice. In relation to Christ's death, the word used for death is huper. This word makes it very clear that the death of Jesus was a true sacrifice. This word, it does not mean in any way that Christ died only for an example to us by showing us that we should be willing to die for the gospel. That's not what the word means. It literally means that Christ died in our place. We're supposed to die for our sins. For the wages of sin is death. But he died in our place so that the gift of God, Jesus' sacrificial death, would give us eternal life. In response to this sacrifice, true disciples will lay down their lives for the sake of the gospel and walk in a newness of life. The walk will consist of bearing the fruit of the Spirit, displaying love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What's not listed in here is complaining, griping, and gossiping because it won't be heard from true disciples. 
Focusing on what is perceived that others are doing or not doing will not be the norm. But focusing on being who God would have us be will occupy our time. True disciples will crucify their flesh daily. They will not be boastful nor envious of others. Instead, they will bear the burdens of one another. As we bow our heads. Maybe. Maybe today. There's someone here. Who's a believer. But you've. You feel you've never progressed. Forward to becoming a disciple. I don't know. If that's you. This altar is open. And you commit today to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. And it doesn't mean that you will arrive or that you'll have everything figured out. It just means that you've decided that your life belongs to Jesus. And with intention, you will follow him. Or maybe you've never been saved. You know, today would be a great day to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible says in Romans 10, 8 through 11, that the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which you are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For Scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Do you believe? As they begin to sing this song of invitation... Do you believe? Are you ready to surrender your life to the one who paid the ultimate sacrifice for you to have eternal life?